welcome to my mommy's podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Good Culture. Good Culture makes amazing cottage cheese. I know, I know, not necessarily two words you'd put in the same sentence on an everyday speaking, but theirs is awesome, I promise, even if you don't love cottage cheese, because I used to not. Basically, it's naturally fermented cottage cheese, so it's free of gums, fillers, and nasty additives, and it's packed with probiotics. And because it's made naturally, it doesn't have that weird mouthfeel that a lot of cottage cheese has. So I use it all the time in cooking and smoothies as a substitute for other types of cheese, or just as a meal on the go. You can find it at Whole Foods and many other grocery stores, and it comes in yogurt-sized cups too, and those are perfect for a meal. So check them out. It's good culture, and they're available at many grocery stores. This episode is brought to you by Organifi, and I'm so excited to finally tell you about them because here's a confession. I have known about Organifi for a really long time, and even though so many of my friends and experts I trust rave about them, I never tried their stuff until recently because I thought, first of all, how can it actually be that good? Well, I tried it, and it turns out that not only is it that good, it's better than I expected. Organifi has green juice, red juice, which is an antioxidant red drink, and it's delicious, and a golden milk turmeric drink along with a plant-based protein. Everything they have is completely organic, and they all actually taste good, unlike a lot of other green drinks and protein powders. I've especially been loving their red juice lately, especially at this time of year for immunity. It tastes amazing, and it has a blend of antioxidants from strawberries, cranberries, blueberries, pomegranates, and they also add in beets, cordyceps, reishi, rhodiola, and a lot more. So this particular blend is formulated to increase energy, boost metabolism, and reduce factors that lead to aging. Their green juice is minty and delicious, and I noticed it has almost 800 five-star reviews. You can check out those two products along with their whole suite of products and save 20% just by being a listener of the Wellness Mama podcast. Go to Organifi.com forward slash Wellness Mama. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash Wellness Mama and use the code wellness20 for 20% off. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and I'm here today with a living legend. Alejandro Younger is the New York Times bestselling author of multiple books, including Clean, Clean Gut, and Clean Eats. And after training in internal medicine in New York and completing a fellowship in cardiology at Lenox Hill Hospital, he also studied Eastern medicine in India. And he now brings the wisdom of Western medicine and Eastern medicine together in his unique approach that has been touted by celebrities and other doctors that I highly respect. And I'm so excited to jump in. Dr. Younger, welcome and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, so I, in researching for this podcast, I came across the fact that you are from Uruguay, if I if I researched that correctly, which is one of my favorite countries. I haven't been there, but um, it's a country I've read quite a bit about. So if you if you don't mind, I'd love to start there because I truly believe that we can learn from every culture and every place so much. So I'm curious if um, your time in Uruguay has had an impact on the way that you practice medicine or on your adult life, or if there are things from the way of life in your way that you think we can learn in, in America? Well, I don't know that, that um, we can learn about uh, the way of life in Uruguay now a lot because we've imported a lot of the bad things uh, uh, <laughs> that happen in America, like fast foods and processed foods. But, but at the time when I was growing up there, there were no supermarkets and, and there were no processed packaged foods. Um, I used to go to the uh, farmer's market with my father and he used to teach me how to choose 
fruits and vegetables and we knew the people that were growing them. There were no chemicals used. So that's really how I grew up. And then, and then after medical school, I moved to New York and, you know, I was fascinated with the supermarkets and all the packaged foods that you can put in a microwave oven and have a dinner ready in two minutes that took my mother eight hours to, 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 to prepare in Uruguay. And, and basically I started getting sick. I didn't know it was from the lifestyle. Right. But, but, um, after I, I embarked on my journey of, of, uh, healing myself more naturally than what medicine had offered me at that time, I, I learned that, uh, you know, the way that I used to live when I lived with my parents in Uruguay was what, what I should be doing back again. I think you're right. There's so much wisdom in that and going back to the simpler approach and just to basic real foods versus foods that have so many ingredients. And I know that now you're a well-respected expert in many things, but uh, one of them is adrenal health and adrenal fatigue, which is something I get so many questions about. So I'm hoping you can really shed some light for us. But to start, for anyone who isn't familiar, can you just give us an overview of what the adrenals are and why they're so important to the body? The adrenals are little glands that live on top of the kidneys. They're, they're small and they're, they're lodged on top of, of the kidneys. And what they do is they produce certain hormones like um, adrenaline and noradrenaline. And, and they are involved in everything that has to do with the production, the maintenance of energy levels and, and also at times when when you need bursts of energy like you know like adrenaline does for you um for different situations like the typical fight or flight reaction right so so that is what the adrenals are and what they they are most known for got it okay and so then there's this term floating around that i hear a lot and i'm sure many people listening have heard which is adrenal fatigue so what happens when in adrenal fatigue and what's happening in the body at that point. So when I went to medical school, we, we only learned of adrenal failure. Um, you know, when the adrenal glands stop working altogether and, and, uh, and that's called, um, Addison's disease. And that's an extreme form of adrenal, not fatigue, but ba- basically when it stops functioning altogether, but we never really, looked at less intense ways of of under functioning of the adrenal glands that actually i learned more from eastern approaches and 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 from functional medicine and that was after medical school and after all my training there are still most traditional trained doctors still don't even compute adrenal fatigue as a, as, as a real problem. But when you start understanding what it is, you start seeing that it's a world epidemic and, and, and most people living modern busy lives are adrenally fatigued to, to some extreme, to some degree. You're so right, though. I've seen so many medical sources that pretty much deny the existence of adrenal fatigue altogether and say that it's only really problematic when it does get to those advanced stages. But what do you think are some of the factors that are contributing to this adrenal fatigue that we that seems to be on the rise so much? Well, you know, the main factor of, of adrenal fatigue 
as it is the same with most uh, uh, modern medical problems or, or most chronic problems in general, is that we human beings are not living in the way that nature designed us to live. You know, when you see animals living according to the ways of nature, to nature's design, you don't see uh, problems like, like we humans suffer from. There are no lions in the wild with depression or giraffes with autoimmune diseases or, or, or monkeys with obesity or, you know, rhinos with diabetes. Um, so, so what happens is nature designed our bodies, our cells, our organs, and all its functions, but the design, the design is not isolated. It's actually inserted in a bigger design of, of your environment and, and, and the world and the planet, right? And, 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 if, you, and if you start looking at it um, in that way, you see that human beings, we are living in a completely different way than what nature designed. And, and that's why we get sick. We, we don't sleep at the times that, that, uh, that uh, you know, is the best for our design. We don't, we don't eat at the times or, you know, the foods or the quantities and the, and the foods themselves, right? We, if you look at that alone, according to nature, the way that nature designed things, we should be eating only local stuff that's in season because nature didn't, didn't invent a, imports of, of uh, blueberries from Argentina or, or, you know, or, or coconuts from, from Tahiti or, or, or whatever it is that we do these days. You go to the supermarket these days and you have all kinds of fruits and vegetables from all kinds of seasons that come from, all di from different countries. So, so um, also the, the levels of stress and, and you know, these, these pressures that we put on ourselves and our sleep patterns, as I mentioned before, all these things contribute to us basically getting exhausted. And you don't even need the term adrenal fatigue to know that exhaustion is one of the problems of humanity today, at least humanity that, that lives in, 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 in a modern way. And, um, and, you know, adrenal fatigue is at the, at the basis at the physiologic basis of, of why we end up all exhausted. And, and, it, and it affects many things. It affects your hair. It affects your, your hormones. It affects your skin. It affects your, every organ because everything is interconnected, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. We're fighting an uphill battle in today's world. Uh, with all the negative inputs our body constantly faces, both from, like you said, foods we're not meant to eat all the time or light too late at night and not getting enough sleep, um, not moving enough, not breathing enough fresh air or getting enough sunshine. Um, we've detached from nature in so many ways. And it definitely, I think you're right. It's not hard to see that we're seeing the effects of this. Um, what are some of the things that you typically recommend for people to start overcoming this if they are in that cycle of fatigue and exhaustion? Yeah, you know, the, the, the big idea is um, to go back to nature's design in as much uh, uh, as possible, you know, given your circumstances and your, in, in your life. So eating whole foods as opposed to processed foods, real foods, foods that, that your great grandmother or, you, or even your grandmother would recognize as foods. Because if you bring you know, back your great-grandmother and you take it to a supermarket, 90% of the things that's, that are sold there, she wouldn't even recognize as food. 
Um, uh, so, so going back to, to the ways of nature, right? And then, and then with, with everything that that entails, you know, sleeping uh, when it gets dark and waking up when it gets, when it gets light, Le- learning ways how not to let the stress of life affect you. Even when you turn on the TV and you watch the news, especially these, these days, uh, that can trigger all kinds of fight or flight reactions inside of your body. And, and that alone can exhaust your adrenals. So, so um, that's in general, right? But then when you, when you, when you go uh, into more detail, there's, there's other things that can help you. And there's, there's herbs that can help you, like ashwagandha and rhodiola and uh, licorice and things like that, uh, and, and acupuncture and, and you know, yoga. I mean, there's so many things that, that put together in a little plan can help you uh, recover your adrenals. And you mentioned eating seasonal foods and in a varied way, basically only eating what's in season and local, which also lends itself from what I've read toward better gut, gut diversity, letting the different types of bacteria in the body interact with different foods and the prebiotics fibers that are in different types of food. Um, is there a gut component connection to adrenal fatigue? I know there's obviously so much literature out there about the gut and its importance for our health, but is there a connection specifically to adrenal problems? For most people, there are, and in fact, that can be the whole the whole uh, origin of adrenal fatigue. You know, when w- what happens is, uh, I call the the gut our Achilles heel. That's the our weakest point in the interaction of of our body with our environment, because your skin is pretty resistant, and 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 your lungs, you know, even though they're inside and they're very delicate organs, they can they can take a lot of abuse. You know, so, so many people smoke a pack or two a day and, they, and live long lives without, without, you know, of course, it can give you cancer and, and, and emphysema and all those kinds of things. But, 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 um, but it takes years to really insult and, 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 uh, and, and damage your lungs. But your gut, which is a, the part of your, of your body that's most in touch with, with the outside world, and even though it's inside of your body and you can't see it with your naked eye, um, you are putting all these things, all these drinks and foods, all these things from the environment, you're putting in there, and they go inside and they touch your gut all the way from your mouth to your anus. So, so that is the part of our body that is most in touch with the environment. And that's, that's the first barrier that starts getting uh, broken down between the outside and the inside of the body. And it's not only the gut bacteria, which is a very important part of it, right? Um, because there's, there's the good bacteria, which, uh, you know, we, we, we're talking about a lot, the, the, the microbiome and, and the, the intestinal flora or whatever you want to call it. But there's also, when those start dying, there's also the bad bacteria and the and the parasites and the and the and the fungi and the and and the and the viruses and there's there's a lot of things that can live in the walls of your intestines and start breaking down the wall of your intestine and the wall of your intestine needs to be completely intact in order for the food and the stuff that we put in our mouth not to trigger your immune system because on the other side of the wall of your intestines is 80% of your immune system. And when you start breaking the wall and these, all these bacteria and non-digested foods start 
being exposed to your immune system and this and the, and the immune system starts reacting and you know creating all these alerts and reactions and, and survival mechanisms and, ad- and adaptive mechanisms all that can consume so much energy and can and can con- constantly trigger your adrenal glands to be supporting it with you know production of, of, of these energy hormones that after a while it gets exhausted. So that alone could be the whole cause of your adrenal fatigue or for most people, a contributing factor for sure. That makes perfect sense. And I know another thing that you have talked about in other interviews as well as I think written about um, is the role of just things like pre-hormones like vitamin D and spending time outside in reducing that overall stress and in healing the body and overcoming some of these modern problems that we're seeing. In fact, I know that I read somewhere that you recommend um, like very moderate, small amount of sun exposure every day is the best way to get vitamin D. Um, But I'm curious, so A, like I'd love to hear your reasoning on that because obviously sun exposure is a controversial thing and I 100% actually agree with you. Um, But also, are there other benefits to being outside? Like you mentioned waking up when the sun rises and going to sleep when the sun sets. Are there benefits we can get from nature just in spending time outdoors? Well, for sure. Um, listen, back to the to nature's design. We probably designed to live naked, running around in the sun all day long. And um, and, and and being exposed to, to the sun all day long. So so now we are being, uh, we do the opposite. We live in houses, we go from place to place in, in, in little boxes with wheels, we cover ourselves with hats and creams and clothing. So our skin never sees the sun. Just like plants get a lot of, of, of energy and nutrients from the sun, we should, uh, we are designed to do that as well. Vitamin D being just one of them. And, and um you know, there are scientists now that talk about uh, other effects of, 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 of light in your retina and in your brain and, and the production of certain chemicals in your brain. But, but, um, but um, let's go to vitamin D, which is the most known, which is not even considered a vitamin anymore. It's, it's more like a hormone. And it's known to prevent cancer, to, you know, uh, strengthen the immune system, prevent depression, the lack of it is involved is 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 a factor in in osteoporosis and the lack of you know the ability of the bones to absorb calcium and and dementia and so many things right so there's definitely that a benefit from exposure to the sun plus all the other benefits that are maybe not a chemical but emotional and 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 mental and even spiritual, you know, every time I go to the beach, I, even if I exercise a lot, I'm, I'm renewed. And, uh, and I see the happiness in my kids for just being carefree, running around in the sun. There, there's definitely more benefits that we can think of, of, of living outside and, 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 and being more in touch with nature. For sure. In fact, as we're talking, I'm sitting in my office watching my kids ride by on their bikes and climb trees and spend time outside. And just, it's wonderful to think how healthy that is for them. Just like you've said multiple times, getting back to nature and to the things that we're naturally wired to do. And another thing that you're well known for is your unique approach to cleansing using basically food um, in a safe way. And I feel like this is something I'd love to go deep with you on because 
I think cleansing is a buzzword right now. And there's all kinds of different cleanses out there, some of which I have really serious concerns about how dangerous they can potentially be. Um, but I'd love if you could speak to cleansing and what the different types of cleanses are and how to kind of distinguish one that is safe versus one that isn't um, and why we, we need to give our body the ability to cleanse once in a while. Cleansing, um, yeah, it's a buzzword, but it's not less uh, real and important um, because it's a buzzword. And, and it all depends on, on who is explaining it and how you think about it. Look at it this way. First of all, the practices of cleansing and detoxification have been around for thousands of years. And they are a part of every religion. You know, the, 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 the Muslims do it for Ramadan, the Jews for Yom Kippur, the, the, the Christians for Lent. There's always some kind of fasting or, or cleansing in a way involved in, in, in every religion. Every spiritual giant used to practice it. But, but, um, but if you look at it from a body physiologic point of view, that is uh, something that our bodies are constantly doing. Cleansing and detoxification is not something that, oh, one day you decide to do and therefore, you know, you, you, the, your body will start doing it. Your body is constantly doing it. In fact, if it stops doing it for one minute, you will die. One very simple form of cleansing and detoxification is getting rid of carbon dioxide, you know, which is the byproduct or the waste product of cellular metabolism. Your body consumes, you know, sugars and, and oxygen and burns them to produce ATP. And the waste product is CO2 that is, that is dumped into the blood and it gets dissolved in the blood as carbonic acid and then it circulates in the blood until it passes through the lungs. And when it passes through the lungs, it fizzles out as CO2, which you, which you breathe out. That is a very simple way of cleansing and detoxification, but very important. And then if that stops, if you stop breathing and not putting oxygen inside, you would last longer than if you start stop taking out your CO2. So just like that, the liver is constantly doing its chemical reactions to, to, you know, to cleanse and detoxify the body and all the waste products, not only of your internal metabolism, but all the waste products that we put in our, in, in our bodies uh, from the outside, what, what in, in functional medicine and in medicine are called xenobiotics. And 90% of the xenobiotics that we're exposed to that end up in our bloodstream are lipophilic. They only dissolve in fat. They don't dissolve in water. Now the body, the only way, the, the most of the ways of getting rid of toxins is through sweat, breath, but the, you know, the, the, the moist in the breath, urine and feces. And, and in, 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 a, in a dissolved in water. So, so all these toxins have to be converted from lipophilic to hydrophilic to, to, from, from dissolving in fat to dissolving in water. And it's, that is done mostly at, at the level of the, of, the, of the liver. So the liver is, is, is the, you know, one of the main organs in cleansing and detoxification in the body. And that is something that we're born with and that the body has to constantly do. So what, it, what, what I understand as cleansing and detoxification is not, is not something that you're trying to get your body to do. It's something that your body is doing already 
but you are just creating the conditions and giving your body the support it needs in order to complete those, those processes more efficiently, optimally. So for example, the liver needs certain things, certain raw materials to be able to use for, for converting this lipophilic uh, xenobiotics or toxins into, into, into hydrophilic toxins so that you can pee them out and sweat them out. And part of those are proteins and amino acids. So you have to give the body certain proteins and amino acids in order, I mean, proteins are amino acids, but, but what I'm saying is you have to give those components for the liver in order to be able to do it. So, so there's different intensities of turning on, not turning on, but um, intensifying your your detoxification processes. One of the most important correlations is that when you're digesting, your detoxification processes tend to diminish in intensity because all the work that your body has to do in order to digest takes away from the energy that the body would be using in order for detoxification processes. You know, there's so much energy available at any given time and the body has to, has to budget, has to put certain energy for this and put certain energy for that, you know, certain energy for exercise and certain energy for, for, for thinking, a certain amount for detoxification, a certain amount for digestion. The more you need energy for digestion, the more you take out from other processes. Sometimes when you are digesting a lot, you cannot even think. Because you know, so sometimes after you stuff your 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 body with food, like in Thanksgiving, you can only go and sleep because the body is digesting and using so much energy that, you, that it just gets you exhausted, and there's nothing else that you can do. So the less that you eat and the less that you digest, the more intense your detoxification processes turn on. The most intense way of doing that is by just drinking water, which is water fasting. But that is really intense. And the problem is that you are not giving the body all the substrates, all the things that the body needs, the molecules that the body needs in order to, to detoxify certain molecules. So you may end up in a more toxic situation. Thousands of years ago, it was okay to water fast because we're not, we were not exposed to so many toxins and we're not, we were not eating so much and we were not so loaded with toxins it, it, you know it, there was not too much um for the body to catch up but if you want to water fasting these days it's a different story so it that may be dangerous it's the same thing with with juicing right it it is a little less intense than water fasting but still a lot very intense and still you're only giving the body certain nutrients you're not giving the body any protein for example so juice fasting if done in the midst of a busy life can also be too intense for people. Now, then comes my way of fasting, right? So, so the way that I, that I not, not fasting of cleansing, the way that I promote it, the way that I use it as a medical tool is I decrease the workload of the digestive system by giving people substitution of, of, of solid meals by liquid meals. For example, I put people on a liquid breakfast and a liquid dinner and i only have a, let them have a solid meal for lunch 
And then I also further diminished the workload of the digestive system during the meal for lunch by not allowing people to eat foods that take a lot of work to digest or that add to the toxic load, right? Or that trigger uh, reactions from the body like allergic reactions or sensitivity reactions that, that, that will trigger the immune system to work harder, right? So you, you can learn how to decrease the workload of the digestive system, but still give the body and the liver, right? M mainly all the things it needs to clean up and then make cleansing and detoxification safe and doable, you know, within your busy life. Now, if you're going to take off and go to a spa and do nothing all day but cleansing, then juicing may be appropriate. But if you're going to do it while you live your busy life and you take your kids to school and you work and, you, and you're prepared dinner and you, you know, you're doing all the things that you do every day in, in the city, yeah, juicing may be too intense. So you, when you start understanding the, t you know, the, the, the ways of, of, or, the, or the intensities of different cleansing programs, then you start understanding uh, what context you can use them in, what kind of people you can use them for, and what kind of problems you can hope to solve with them. Got it. That makes sense. And I know that many celebrities, for instance, swear by your type of cleansing because it lets them maintain an active lifestyle and everything that they must do while still being able to give the body a break. And which is why I'm so glad we got to talk about it because most of the people listening are parents. And I feel like if parents are probably the busiest people on the planet, we just have so many demands on our time, plus jobs, plus everything else that goes into life. And so I like that approach, especially for people who I hear from who say like, I would never want to fast or I have low blood sugar. I can't fast or all of those things. It's a way to, like you said, keep building the body with food, um, but also just give it a break. And it sounds like it's also a break from the common allergens and from sugars and from alcohol and just things that can stress the body. And so you can kind of just give your entire system a little bit of a break to recharge. This podcast is brought to you by Good Culture. Good Culture makes amazing cottage cheese. I know, I know, not necessarily two words you'd put in the same sentence on an everyday speaking, but theirs is awesome, I promise, even if you don't love cottage cheese, because I used to not. Basically, it's naturally fermented cottage cheese, so it's free of gums, fillers, and nasty additives, and it's packed with probiotics. And because it's made naturally, it doesn't have that weird mouthfeel that a lot of cottage cheese has. So I use it all the time in cooking and smoothies as a substitute for other types of cheese, or just as a meal on the go. You can find it at Whole Foods and many other grocery stores, and it comes in yogurt-sized cups too, and those are perfect for a meal. So check them out. It's good culture, and they're available at many grocery stores. This episode is brought to you by Organifi, and I'm so excited to finally tell you about them because here's a confession. I have known about Organifi for a really long time, and even though so many of my friends and experts I trust rave about them, I never tried their stuff until recently because I thought, first of all, how can it actually be that good? Well, I tried it, and it turns out that not only is it that good, it's better than I expected. Organifi has green juice, red juice, which is an antioxidant red drink, and it's delicious, and a golden milk turmeric drink along with a plant-based protein. Everything they have is completely organic and they all actually taste good, unlike a lot of other green drinks and protein powders. 
I've especially been loving their red juice lately, especially at this time of year for immunity. It tastes amazing and it has a blend of antioxidants from strawberries, cranberries, blueberries, pomegranates, and they also add in beets, cordyceps, reishi, rhodiola, and a lot more. So this particular blend is formulated to increase energy, boost metabolism, and reduce factors that lead to aging. Their green juice is minty and delicious, and I noticed it has almost 800 five-star reviews. You can check out those two products along with their whole suite of products and save 20% just by being a listener of the Wellness Mama podcast. Go to Organifi.com forward slash Wellness Mama. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash Wellness Mama and use the code wellness20 for 20% off. But I know also I've read in your work before that you talk about the mental aspect as well. And I'd love for you to go into this about, I've heard you talk about toxic thoughts and how important our thoughts are and our mental attitude and our mindset is for overall health as well. Um, can you talk about your approach and how you incorporate that? You know, that actually was the way that I went into this whole world of wellness or, or integrated medicine, if you will. I was, I was in New York, you know, doing my internship, fellowship, um, uh, residency and fellowship in internal medicine and cardiology. I was super busy. I was on call sometimes three days in a row, running around, no time for eating, just, you know, grabbing something from vending machines or the hospital cafeteria, which is basically poison. Um, and, and, um, and, and so worried with all these problems and, and potential problems, all this workload that I had. So one day I was, I was um, riding on the subway in New York and I was, I was looking at this crazy person in front of me talking out loud. And then it dawned on me that that person was just doing it out loud, but I was having the same conversations inside my head. You know, all the time I was thinking about the check that I have to pay and, the, and, the, and, the, and this patient and the, and the discussion that I was going to have with my boss. And I even, I even screamed at him in my mind and then even imagined his answer and or, or, you know, th- three different scenarios. And, and then constantly thinking, I realized that most of us are like a crazy person, but in silence. We, we, we're just listening to all these conversations in our head all the time. And 99% of the time, they're repetitive thoughts. And 99.9% of the times, they're negative. For most people, there's lucky people that have positive thinking. But even the ones that, that, that think only positive thoughts uh, are, are exhausted by their thoughts as well. So, so we are like um, beings that don't think. Thoughts are just happening. And they're happening all the time. And they're happening to to a, to a point and a degree that they don't let us be present. So so um, that was my first realization of of, of this disease. I, at the beginning, I thought there was I was crazy, but then I realized that most people are having the same problem. And then one day, I was reading, you know, just random books uh, at, at Barnes and Noble, just picking books and seeing what they said about this or that. And I came, uh, I came by the concept of meditation, and the and the the definition that I that I remember reading was the meditation was the practice by which you can slow down and even get to stop this habitual 
broken radio, repetitive negative thoughts that are constantly happening in, in, in our heads, whether we want them or not. And that was like an aha moment for me, you know, which, which um, took me to, you know, finish my training in medicine and leave everything behind and go and live for a year in a monastery in India to learn meditation. And that's where I was exposed to, to other types of medicine, right? But um, but if you think about it, that's what, what most people are having this day. That's, that's the most common underlying and only now being talked about disease of, of, of constant thinking, whether it's positive or negative. You know, of course, negative thinking is worse. But, you know, this idea of positive thinking that, that, that everybody's or a lot of people are talking about as, as the solution for, you know, for happy life. It's just the other side of the coin. It's just a different aspect, maybe more enjoyable or less suffering than, than the negative thinking. But constant positive thinking is as exhausting as negative thinking. The goal is no thinking, no automatic thinking, only thinking when we decide to think, right? But that is, you know, what I understand as a state of enlightenment, which, which is basically what we're here for, you know, to, to get to that state. And there's a lot of things that you can do in order to to you know to strengthen that that ability of of being present and having less thoughts in your head. Meditation being one of them. If you don't mind sharing, I'm curious what your personal approach and what your day to day practice is, because not many of us get the experience of living in a monastery for a year. But I feel like you probably have some valuable things that you've taken from that experience. So how do you incorporate that meditation and that calmness into your daily life? Well, you know, a lot of people talk about sitting down for meditation and closing your eyes and, you know, sitting down in the lotus position and, you know, and, 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 uh, but that's very hard for me. And, and I, I can't really do it. I cannot even do what, what transcendental meditators do, you know, of 20 minutes twice a day. Um, because, because for a lot of people, the moment they sit down, they close their eyes, that's when they really start noticing all the thoughts. Because when you're busy and you're doing this and you're doing that, you're kind of distracted. But when you sit down, you close your eyes and you start trying to meditate. People think, oh, this is too difficult for me, or, or, or they start realizing how, how crazy their minds are. So what, when what I do is something that I do all day long, and, and as much as I can remember to do it, and it's, in a way, I think of it as meditation in action, right? And I'll tell you right now, as we speak, and for the, for the people that are listening to this interview, as you listen to my voice and what I'm saying, Put some of your attention also on your feet. As you continue to listen to me, feel your feet from inside. Feel them touching your shoe, feel the temperature, feel the humidity, feel the pressure against your socks or, your, or the floor or whatever it is that you're wearing. Feel your feet from inside and continue to feel your feet right now. And as you continue to feel your feet and listen to what I'm saying, Start also feeling your hands. Feel what they're touching, feel the temperature. Don't forget to feel your feet. Feel your feet, your hands, and listen to me. And like that, you know, what, what we just did, and I don't know if you noticed while you were doing it, there's a different flavor to this conversation. 
there's a different state that you enter because what you're doing is you're putting some of your attention in your feet and your hands. And your feet and your hands are right here, right now, are only in the present. Your thoughts can be in the past and in the future or in, or in abstract ideas as we're talking about. But your hands and your feet are right here, right now, in the present. And when you put your attention in them, you are anchoring some of your attention in the present. So you are becoming more present. And you can do that in many, many ways. You can, for example, as you listen to me, listen to the noises outside. You know, just a minute ago, there was a helicopter passing by. Here in Venice, California, there's helicopters all day long. And then the dogs barking or the, or the wind, you know, or, 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 or people talking next door, whatever it is. So you are listening not only to me, but to other things around which are in the present. So you're anchoring your attention in the present. You can do it with your eyes as you look at your screen on your, on your computer right now. Just notice, you know, the wall behind it on the table where your computer is sitting on. Feel your feet, feel your hands, feel your butt against your chair. Listen to the things around. At the same time as you're listening to me, all these ways of diverting some of your attention and anchoring it in things present put you in the present, make you more present. And in a way, they're kind of counterintuitive because why would you start feeling your feet and your hands if you're talking to me? Isn't that taking some of attention from what I'm saying, you know, and, 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 and therefore defeating or make, make you understand less what I'm saying? But when you start practicing these things, you see that, that it's the contrary because you're not paying less attention to me. The attention you're paying to me is the same, but the rest of your attention that now goes to your feet and your hands and whatever else you're doing, listening or seeing things around you, um, used to go into your judging mind or your, you know, as you speak to me, you'll start remembering things that you have to do when, you, when we hang up. And, and those are, are things that get you distracted, not things that are right here in the present, like, you, you know, the feeling of your body. Do you follow? I do. And that's so powerful just to be present like that. Like you're right, we get so detached from that just in all of the, the busyness of life and just to that's actually be in your body for a moment. That's see, see, and it's not about being your body for a moment. It's about being your body, or, or, or being your body all the time. And as as long, I mean, like I remember this maybe thirty, forty times a day. And he, and and whenever I remember this, even if I'm having a conversation with somebody, even if I'm having a work a interview or or whatever it is, it goes better than it than it would go if I didn't do those things. So the more the more that you practice, the more that you do the better your life flows and, 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 the, and the more present you are. I love that. I, like you, I have trouble just sitting still in the idea of thinking of nothing. That's very difficult. So I love that this is so much more practical and it's something I can focus on that's tangible versus kind of that abstract concept of just open your mind or empty your mind seems much more difficult uh, with some of the forms of meditation for sure. Unattainable. Awesome. Well, I'd love to circle back a little bit uh, to get back to a more medical topic. Um, your residency was in cardiology and you still are considered by far an expert in this. I would love to get your take on why you think we're seeing such a rise 
in heart disease and cardiac problems, even still, um, I know that it's not recognized, but it is a bigger killer of women than even breast cancer, for instance. It's a huge issue. Um, so I love your take on with that integrative approach that you have on some of the factors you think are still causing this increase in heart disease and some things we can do, especially as women, to kind of counteract that. Well, that's what we've been talking about, you know, the 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 way that we eat, the the stress in in our lives, the the, the chemicals we are exposed to, the madness of, of modern life. That that is what what uh, the cause of of heart disease and, and and most chronic diseases are. And uh, yeah, we can go uh, into specifics, but but uh, but but that explains it. Uh, the big picture explain explains it. And and you know, one of the things that we were talking about, uh, for example. The, the lack of vitamin D is is also linked to cardiovascular diseases. So that's one practical thing that everybody can do. You know, most most modern doctors. I mean, it's changing now. A lot of a, a lot of uh, Western trained doctors are ordering uh, you know vitamin D levels on your blood tests. But if your doctor doesn't, then ask him for it. And 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 if you don't have enough taking it is going to lower your your um, risk of of coronary and other heart problems but basically basically one 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 thing that that is important for most people to understand is that most chronic diseases and heart disease is a chronic disease are are linked in a way they have a common factor in a way that is inflammation right and inflammation in the body leads to chronic diseases maybe maybe minutes after maybe hours after maybe months and maybe sometimes decades after the uh, the inflammation is 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 triggered and and maintained right but inflammation is the main problem at the at the root of most chronic of all chronic diseases of the modern world and and where does inflammation start mostly in the gut so there we go back to what we were talking about before I love that approach, and it seems so much more effective and holistic than just the some of the narratives we've been told before. Of it's just you know saturated fat causes heart disease, which now they say there's much more to that story, or it's you know blood pressure, cholesterol, or all of these things. I feel like the holistic approach, when you look at it through your lens of inflammation, it makes so much sense. But those things are true, and those are part of part of what you know triggers and maintains inflammation, right? So. The, so like 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 hydrogenated oils are part of 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 you know the things that 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 trigger or maintain or worsen inflammation smoking and you know high blood pressure and diabetes and, but but they're all part of 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 uh, you know of the group of chronic diseases right diabetes and high blood pressure and all these things and they all end up causing for some people heart disease from some people cancer from some people alzheimer's right depending on your on your genetic predispositions and your in and your individual con you know circumstances and conditions um but most chronic diseases today are born from inflammation that started maybe sometimes years before that makes perfect sense and i think there's so much wisdom in that approach and i'll make sure to link to the things we've talked about, I know you've written about your cleansing approach and your books to make sure people can find those to go deeper if they want to like really take a deep dive into how to reduce inflammation and how to start reducing these factors that we're facing 
in modern life. Um, and I can't believe we've flown through our time because you're so easy to talk to. And a somewhat selfish question I love to ask for the end of interviews is if there's a book or favorite books that you recommend besides your own that have really had an impact on your life because I'm an avid reader. I'm always looking for new book ideas. So I'd love to hear yours. Well, in, in, the, in the realm of you know, spirituality and thinking and, and, and enlightenment and that kind of subject. There's one book that really basically changed my life and I keep on reading over and over and again and again and every time I read it, I understand it in a completely different way. And um, it's just incredible. And it's, it's called In Search of the Miraculous by Peter Demianovich Ospensky. Ospensky was was a philosopher and mathematician and, and, and he wrote a lot of books of, in different subjects uh, in, in, in Russia until he met his spiritual teacher, uh, uh, George Ivanovich Gurdjieff. And this is where I got all these ideas of meditation in action and diverting my attention to present things and, and things like that. That, that. that book really changed my life and continues to change my life in many ways. Uh, and and um, you know, in the in the in the medical uh, realm, there's so many really good books um, that I that I read. I'll tell you um, a new one that just came out by a friend of mine called Ketotarian, which is uh, doing the keto diet in a vegetarian way. And the doctor is Will Cole. It's a really really cool book. Um, but there's so, so many books that are, that are good these days that it's difficult to choose between one or another. I agree. And I have added those to, your, to my list, especially in Search for the Miraculous. That's a new one I had not heard of. And I can't wait to dive into that. And for anyone not, who wants... Not, not an easy read, but so worth it. Wonderful. I can't wait. For anyone who wants to continue to learn from you after this episode is over and to stay in touch with your work, where can people find you online to learn more about you? Um, you know, I have, I have the, the books that you mentioned out in every bookstore and they're also uh, an audio book. They can visit my, my website uh, at my company, The Clean Program, in which we, you know, we make available the tools for cleansing and detoxification. We have this incredible 21-day and, and also a seven-day kit that you, that you don't need to think about and you don't need to juice and you know, everything is provided to you the shakes and the, and the, and the probiotics and the herbal antimicrobials um so you can do a, a a really balanced detox program and that's at www.cleanprogram.com um i also have a, a an instagram account dr alejandro younger um you're going to see a lot a lot of pictures of my kids there but you know i also put some information out Wonderful. I'll make sure all of those are linked in the show notes at wellnessama.fm so any of you listening can find them and stay in touch. Um, but Dr. Younger, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. I believe time is our most valuable asset and I'm so honored that you shared some of your time and your wisdom with us. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening as always. And I hope to see you again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.